once again and welcome to the 28th episode, I had to look it up, of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings video podcast. Uh, that was the Leader Post Philharmonic Orchestra. Murray McCormick is with us, with me, there's no plural here, with me as always to, do, <laughs> to talk about all things Rough Riders and CFL and, and, and sundry other topics that managed to creep into our discussion. A uh, bit of news to start off with, we're going to be doing this weekly Throughout the off season, now it could be weekly W E E K L Y or W E A L K Y, W E A W E A K L Y, depending upon your interpretation. But the phonetics are the same. We'll be doing this weekly throughout the season with a little bit of a hiatus over Christmas. So that's the news. Mark it on your calendars or whatever people mark things on these days. Their so, phones. So we're done. Yes, that's it. Thank you for all. Thank you for, for your, tuning in. We Merry, Merry Christmas, yeah. Happy yeah, New Year. Um, <laughs> Not much to talk about in the off season. Riders but. are done, but there's never any shortage of topics. Exactly. With uh, pertinence to the Rough Riders, there's always a way of incorporating well, the Rough Riders into the discussion. Well, then let's jump right into it. What do you think of the eighth official on the field? Didn't really notice it. Yeah, I think there was a. I'm, I have to admit, I kind of tuned out when the Hamilton game was. I was switching over. The Steelers were coming back against the Panthers at that time, so that was kind of a bit of a priority, but. I think there was one call where he made a call against the quarterback I hit in the head, and I didn't, quite, I couldn't quite find it, so I don't know what, what took place on that, but I didn't seem to notice it. I was in a sports bar in Saskatoon that didn't have the CFL audio, only the video. So for some reason, I was listening to audio of Arizona and Oakland while oh. watching the CFL playoffs wow. on the large screen, and I tuned out of the Eastern game. Well, why don't we make early. it a... A goal of this organ, this podcast, make sure Canadian bars have the CFL on it, like with sound. Like this NFL season goes to February. We have a little three-week window in November where it should be a focus on the CFL. And I would think any good Canadian bar is going to have the CFL on with sound. They run a lot of the screens, but the the yeah. sound was in NFLs. Sometimes if, if you if you go to a sports bar where the boss isn't there and you've got somebody handling yeah. things who just doesn't know sports as is liable to happen. For example, yeah. we got two people on the podcast who don't know sports. Who? Who's so, the other one? Not um, you. Yeah. <laughs> so you run into that every now and then where they're just, they're not a sports fan, but they're working there. I have so. another little rant I've saved up for today. Okay, rant away. Moving the CFL season up three weeks, this is why I'm against it. I love this time of year. I love this three-week period in November where the CFL owns the sports in my mind. Everyone's talking about, regardless who's the Rough Riders in the Great Cup, it'd be just banana crazy. But it's just, I love November. And I think moving the playoffs so you're starting them in October and stuff just doesn't do it for me. And I know I get to watch a press every game from the comfort of my press box or my couch, which it seems to be the other way. But I just like the field in November football. I love getting up in the morning, reading all the stories and stuff. And I just somehow think it'll get lost in October. You wonder. Um... You know, there is an impact upon attendance, you would think, that is that is weather-related. Absolutely. But, and, uh, and you and I, our biggest issue last week was what, how many layers we needed to wear from our jacket. Or grow. Our, <laughs> or grow from our car to the press box. You know, and I was kind of, I was joking, I had a sweater and a golf shirt on. It was kind of kill, cool, but I don't, and I know, so I say that people are going to say that, you know, you don't have to sit outside. And I do, and I realize But I did that, for a lot of years. I had season tickets for 40 years. You did, so. and you sat outside, and it's part of the game. And I don't think last Sunday's game was particularly... It was uncomfortable. You couldn't last for the whole game, but I don't know. And I wish I could come up with some really hard-hitting, definitive reasons for not moving the season other than I don't like it. They monopolize the month. Ottawa... Yeah. Pardon me. October is busy. You've got the World Series. You've got 
Major League Baseball uh, coming to its reaching its fruition as far as the season. You got the NHL starting up. You've got the NBA kicking off. So not only are you opposite the World Series, but maybe you're opposite. Hey, LeBron's playing his first yeah. game for the for the Lakers tonight, or hey, Connor McDavid's first game of the year. So you are up against a few more opponents, not necessarily the culminations of the seasons in some cases. But October is a pretty October is the craziest sports yeah. sports month period. So do you add yourself there and 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 risk the crescendo of your season? being lost a little bit that is the that is the concern and we're a little older than a lot of people in the world at least i am that last week in november has always been that special gray cup day like we're we're planning family stuff and we're thinking you know, like what do we do because that last basic we can it's changed as soon yeah. as because it's happening i think that in the first week in december one time the seventy two Grey Cup wasn't it december the first sunday in december something the like Ian that. sunter game was in december yeah that was it because i remember that i was Driving around, I'll show you another story. But I just like it. So I just like the overall tradition. And Craig Reynolds, the president of the CEO of the Rough Riders, has said to me that I have to change. I have to change with the times. And absolutely, I will change with the times grudgingly because I love November. Here's one for you, though. Living where we do, nice days are at a premium, especially in the fall. So who's to say that if it's a nice day in October, that people are going to go to the game? What they might say, it's a nice day in October, let's go for a walk in the park, let's let's spend some time outdoors, let's barbecue. It's not, the, the, the football game isn't the automatic destination if there's a nice day. So suppose you've got the Grey Cup or the, the playoffs in October, and it's, yeah, okay, but I don't have to spend a lot yeah. of money to go to a football game. I can go for a bike ride. That's true. There's maybe maybe you have more opponents if it's a nice day, then you do if the weather is bad and nobody's right. scheduling things opposite that. I know there's there's many an, many a day in October where I'm thinking, gee, I'd love to ride my bike. Yeah. So. And also looking back at the other end of it, let's say June, if they start in June, kind of, I wish. Then you're up against the Stanley Cup playoffs. Stanley Cup playoffs. So and you've also, got a big, it's also you've got a major league nice baseball weather. season at both, uh, major, league, major, major championship at both ends of your schedule then yeah. if you move it uh, up. but I, I also think we saw like all was sold out yesterday i i don't think calgary Cal, there no calgary wasn't there are a lot of empty seats up in the corner of that stadium so in the rider game wasn't a sellout even though there's more than thirty thousand people they're not selling out games whether it is now so to maybe that idea they can sell out games if they hold them in the first week of october in the second two weeks of november maybe maybe it's Weather comes, you know. There's two things that happen. Is I've learned on my life in Saskatchewan, the Rider beats. There's weather and quarterbacks, and you can talk about all of them forever and ever, and it's going to happen that way. So, I'm on the record as saying, leave the season where it is. Rob, we'll wrap this up with what do you want to do? I'd like to see them leave it where it is. I used to be kind of buying their argument, but I'm I'm pretty. If they were to do it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really scream and protest. But I think it's it's nice the way it is because, like you said, there is that buzz in November, and nothing else happens in November nothing. except aggribition. Yeah. So, yeah. and and, uh, and Denver Broncos losing football games except for yesterday. So, um, so I, I can take that. So, now we're in November football. There's football yesterday, obviously, full day of CFL. I'm going to give TSM a few kudos here just so I got, I have a mic. And I can and then, then I'm going to rant about television. Okay, then I can say 
TSN does a great pregame, John. They they, they really a, do. They had a feature last week before the Ryder game on Travis Lulee just talking about life and as a football player. And they did an outstanding work on Kyran Moore and his family, the Ryder receiver and a an uncle. And then there's two features yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. I had them in my mind, but they were very well done. And I'm just going like, wow. But this, the TSN, the, the coverage of the CFL gets by TSN is second to none. It's as good as what you can see in the NFL. And TSN does a great job at pregame. I love Saturday before the Great Cup. You it's know what a, they don't do well, though? What? A lot of the time during the season, CFL gets buried in, on Sports Center. Yeah, that's they true. They don't treat the CFL in, on Sports Center like it's, their, like it's their prime yeah. property. But pregame shows and when the tele- telecasts are on, TSN does a great job. But Sports Center seems to be out on an island somewhere. Yeah. And they'll, they'll show Major League Soccer highlights ahead of, C- of a CFL item. I, I, I'm gonna, I watched this morning when I was getting Not, not necessarily this time of year. Yeah. But if you're, if you're talking July, August, it's Their really tough. is good. Their the panel good. is so good. And I, I loved it when that was, which, which Red Black ran into the, jumped into the, the panel to celebrate with them and they scored a touchdown. I thought that was so cool. Can I rant now? I didn't see the TSN pregame show yesterday because I was staying in a hotel in Saskatoon <laughs> that had basic cable as exists by a provider in Saskatoon. And the only, on basic cable Saskatoon, the only TSN channel you get is TSN 3. So at noon, turn on the TV, ready to start watching the uh, CFL game, and it was plays of the week, followed by NASCAR. Okay. So there was nowhere on this basic cable package to watch the Canadian Football League in Canada, but I could watch Fox News and somewhere there was that Christmas Yule Log channel. Oh, I love that one. So I could watch that, but not the CFL playoffs. What is wrong with that cable package? That is How does basic, that happen? Well, they most You could watch the NFL, but you couldn't watch a CFL division final on a, a basic cable package. Basic I have being a the keyword. Proud mum who has basic cable and doesn't really watch sports that much. So it suits her, but I have to take the back. She does watch the riders now, so she switched. She changed she changed my mind, but yeah, that's pretty horrible. I feel so sad for you because I had like everything. Because you yeah. figured I went to a sports. Of, you pick, you get the only TSN channel of the five that's showing sports. Yeah, <laughs> that's not showing. Like a NASCAR. Who NASCAR. cares? Anyway, we have a. We've talked about great cup. Great cup. Do you want to do our predictions? Or do you want to save them for last? I'm picking Calgary to win by four. Oh come on! I was picking them to win by by a field goal. No, I was picking them by win by about twenty. I kind of think that's the Calgary. You never team. know with Calgary in a great cup. That's but... true too. But boy, their defense played well. Yesterday. That's what's got me thinking. You know, so much talk has always been about Calgary's offense because they've had Bo Levi Mitchell, and traditionally they've had a an excellent coterie of receivers. The running game's been good, etc. And the offense is a sexier topic than than defense. But that Calgary defense is so good. Micah Johnson is a beast. Yeah, and it's, and we know that. But just watching him yesterday, he dominated. And he the dominated. other tackle too dominated. Was the other tackle Davis? Davis, yeah. And uh, Alex Singleton is Alex, Alex Singleton. And uh, so, but Davis is an end, isn't he? No, it's, yeah. Sorry. I should have written this down. Sorry for Oh, well. I'm on days off. But that Calgary defense is so good. And and how about Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, though? Did he have three a Three touchdowns. Three catches. touchdowns. And each one got better than the last. And the last one was just amazing. Brandon and Alexander had really good coverage on that last yeah, one. That was and a great, it was just a great catch. So... Stampeders, and I know they showed the graphic on TSN if you could watch it, that they listed all their receivers who are gone from the beginning of the season. They don't have the same ones back. And they still managed to put up pretty good points against a pretty good defense. And then their defense held arguably the most explosive offensive unit in the league. Pretty well kept them in check. You know what it tells me? 
It doesn't really matter ultimately whether Zach Kalaros played against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Even if the Riders had gotten by the Bombers, and I think there's a reasonable chance they would have had they had better quarterbacking. But Winnipeg goes into Calgary. They've got the highest scoring team in the league. They've got an offense that has a lot more ingenuity and creativity than that yeah. uh, fashioned by the Rough Riders, and they couldn't score a touchdown against Calgary. So it takes the what-might-have-been scenario out of a discussion pertaining to the Rough Riders' playoffs. Geez, if, if Zach Caleros had been there, yeah. maybe they uh, go to the Grey Cup. No, they would have run into the same brick wall that uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did yesterday. So they, they, would, they would have gotten an extra game out of it. It tells you how how important Andrew Harris is to the Bombers' offense. And I that's probably Captain Obvious checking in to, to tell you that. But, you know, they limited him at 71 yards, I think, for Harris yesterday. Didn't do much. Didn't do much. The Ryder game, that, sec- that first game the Riders... Beat him, Andrew Harris went off for 150. The next game, the banjo ball, 20 yards. And then the last game. So maybe controlling Andrew Harris was the key to keeping the Bombers, you know, off balance and focusing on Matt Nichols, who didn't have a very good game either. Didn't wasn't particularly great. I've never been blown away by Winnipeg's receivers either. There's not, like, a, there's not there's a ton Dressler. of speed there. No, there's Adams. and It's okay. Yeah, there's, and Dembski's. Got his way of running <laughs> laterally. Laterally, that he did. And he did that yesterday too, and I chuckled because I know you've mentioned that many times. But we'll we'll skip down east though. Trevor Harris, you can't ignore him. Six touchdown passes. Yeah, what three three holding completions Again, all day, and against <laughs> one of the best teams that's ever put on a Calgary Cats uniform in the last year or so. Sorry, that's my what? No, sorry, my Tiger. I'm trying to stand up for the Tiger Cats, and they, <laughs> there's no standing up for the Tiger Cats yesterday. They were thumped thoroughly by a better team and. And that's what happens. We saw that Trevor Harris when the Red Blacks were here. Not with those numbers. But some of the passes that Trevor Harris made that day, just, they were so perfect. Just, you know, touching it over a linebacker. Oh, he made some wonderful passes when when the Red Blacks were here. He made some wonderful catches. So... That's what the Hamilton Tiger Cats had to deal with yesterday. The, the Trevor Harris that is is so on fire in yeah. collaboration with some very good weapons. And, William uh, Powell, they barely used him. They didn't, yeah. He didn't have to, didn't have to. And they barely him. used Brad Sinopoli. No. Two catches yeah. for 24 yards, but, yeah. you know, Deontay Spencer, a, Greg Allingson. You're, you're a much more fashionable kind of guy than I Obviously. Am. So Calgary was wearing red and black yesterday. Like, what are Redbacks were wearing red and black yesterday? What? So who, the Red Blacks were wearing red and black, weren't they? That's a tongue twister. I know. So who's going to wear red and black on Sunday That's in the good, Great Cup? Why does Calgary wear I, black? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the classic Calgary uniform, red and oh, white, beautiful. Exactly. But I, I don't mind the helmets. Those helmets are sharp. I was watching but those. But why ones. do you fuse black into that color know. scheme? Why mess with such a great looking yeah. uniform? Yeah. They're and, classics. Uh, they, they, you know, yeah. hopefully there's... There's a, they're looking a little more like the classic versions next Sunday. Yeah, I like it. You know, it's kind of funny Calgary gets to go to Edmonton for the Grey Cup, and you know, there's a little a couple of digs about that. But it's interesting. Maybe didn't we kind of have Ottawa and Calgary way at the beginning of the season? Being did you have them that way? I had Calgary and Hamilton. Calgary and Hamilton. Yeah, I think I had. I can't remember. I'd have to. Calgary's always a safe pick. Yeah. They're, you know, Seven a, a lot finals? of people were picking Edmonton at the start of the year, and they yeah. didn't even make the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. And the Riders, we I thought the Riders had a good chance to make a home get home playoff game, get whatever they did out of the season. But Calgary is still Calgary, and they're still and they just keep developing guys, receivers trot out, Micah Johnson, linebackers are there. Alex yeah, Singleton, Richard Sandani, the ex Regina yeah. University of Regina Ram, yeah, makes a makes a key catch. They just keep finding guys, and I thought that it takes them a while. We'll give Calgary. It's not what they took them a while to get used to this receiving core, because there was that stump where they almost lost three games in a row. 
I think they'd lost three games in a row. So they were showing some blemishes and some wrinkles. But, boy, they got a couple of weeks to get things together and then came out in the biggest game of the year. Bo Levi Mitchell is Bo Levi Mitchell. I I thought that Calgary's personnel would be impacted a bit when John Murphy went to Saskatchewan. I thought, okay, he's been a pretty important player in what happens with the Stampeders. Now he's no longer there. How is that going to affect the Stampeders? Not one bit. No, yeah, with the assembly line of talent just keeps coming yeah. on in to the Calgary. And who, who do you think that gets that credit? Huffnagel, Huffnagel, Huffnagel hiring the right people yeah. to do the right things. And then he shuts up. Do you yeah. ever hear from John Huffnagel no, anymore? Not very often. He doesn't care if he gets any of the credit. He's happy for Dave Dickinson yeah. and that staff to to just handle things. John Huffnagel probably has zero ego. Just let it happen. And there aren't a lot of examples in sports where the coaches moved upstairs, and. We, and we saw that here. Yeah. The coaches moved upstairs, and then the coach underneath him is able to thrive. You saw that in San Francisco for a brief time with George Seifert under Bill Walsh. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work here with Greg Marshall under Ken, Ken Miller. It didn't work in BC with Mike Ben Benavides underneath Wally Bono. By and large, that formula doesn't work because there's always the specter of the old coach who doesn't go away. But Calgary seems to be the exception to that. Because John Huffnagel just lets Dave Dickinson do do his job, and it's not Dave Dickinson's fault there was a fumble last year. It was yep. Dave Dickinson's fault that they went for that short yardage. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> a play two years ago. But uh, the thing is, they'll, look, they'll atone for all that this year, I suspect. So, what do you do if you're Devon Claybrooks, who's the guy, who's the next guy to be the next head coach in the CFL? Like he could stay in Calgary and do quite well for a while longer, and maybe be. How long Craig Dickinson goes? Like, I kind of wonder. How, how's that, how's to, the new cap going to affect that, though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how does it? You know, how do you not leave a team to kick an opportunity, but knowing that you're pretty good position with the team you're in now, and they're treated pretty well? Yeah, and he can pick his spots. Yeah. He can wait for Hamilton. He can, uh, pardon me, Halifax. He can wait for the next great opportunity if he's if he's so inclined. Dave Dickinson had other opportunities to go other places. He was even interviewed here. Yeah. He was just happy to stay in Calgary and yeah. wait for that line of succession to take place. Calgary seems to be a, a good place for a coach to develop and not rush himself. But if you're Devon Claybrooks right now and you're looking around, yeah, are there a lot know. of places I really want to go? Do you really want to go to Montreal, even though it's a great city? I mean, Mike, Sher- is, Mike Sherman's supposed to be back there, though. Yeah, sorry, not Mike Toronto. Toronto, sorry. I, got, I went too far east. But if you, you don't have a quarterback if you go to Toronto. I know. So why not just wait and pick your spots? Because you're yeah. fine in Calgary. Unless, the, unless that coaching cap really takes really hits but i get the feeling the coordinators are still going to be well paid the head coaches are still going to be well paid the personnel guys are still going to be well paid but if you're an assistant equipment manager or a quality yeah. control coach then you're in trouble I it's going to squeeze out the little guys more than i think it's going to affect the big guys who have who make enough money to absorb the kind of hit that uh that this is and i think the rough, riders, the rough riders are going to get hit too because there seems to be more coaches on the rough riders sidelines and around the team than any other team they have a bigger staff than anybody else so they're going to be impacted to bring their team back and more aligned with other, because I don't think I count it. I count it. Most none of the other teams have fifteen. They head needed coaches. a census to count all the rider coaches. I know, didn't like they? and we and there be some there. Those guys are. I've been around Chris for three years. I still don't know who they are and what they do. There are some guys. You know, there's one guy shows up and he's there on Sunday, runs well, the elevator. <laughs> there was the one coach who's always beside Chris Jones when the signals are being yeah. transmitted, and I had a lot of readers ask me, "Who is that?" And, to, and I responded, I don't know. So I looked <laughs> exactly. it up and it's Merritt Bowden. Was that the guy with the crazy hair? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you just you see some of these coaches on the sidelines, who are they? Exactly. Where yeah. they? I, re, I grew up and it was assistant coach, assistant coach, head coach. Yeah. That was pretty easy to, to figure out. Now it's 
you know, when the Riders won the Grey Cup in 2013, they had two defensive backs coaches. There used to be two two assistant coaches, period. Yeah. But it's gotten a little out of control with with the numbers. And if, if teams have enough money to pay that many coaches, I think the CFLPA has got a really good case here yeah. to say, okay, if you got that money, why isn't it going to us? Why are you paying all these coaches to tie the shoelaces of the other coach if you're if you're pleading poverty or we can't give you any more we can't bump the cap up why do you have all these coaches why do you have all these administrative expenses give the money to the players well, i hope the players get a really big bump in the next cap and you think that's not part of the cfl's strategy negotiating strategy by introducing this cap to see the players we're trying to bring other people in line with you guys and we're going to ask you this because i'll be honest i don't i'm not going to lie to you i don't see the players getting a big player pay, pay bump out of this contract i don't think no. The money is there. The money's there, but I don't think it's the money to take a guy from making the minimum of fifty-five. Let's say to make him what would be a reasonable price. I think fifty-five thousand a year is a pretty good salary when you're coming straight out of university. It's not bad, but it's not very good when you only got a three-year career. So yeah, but the, and the, I, don't, the, I don't know what the what the right figure would be. Would be a fair fair compensation for a first-year player, but. I don't think they're going to get, and I don't think the veterans are going to say, well, we got to give the first year guys. No, they're the first people they sell out. Yeah. So they want more money and the top end guys like quarterbacks. Is anybody else besides top end and CFO besides quarterbacks? Not really. eh? running backs a little bit. You got the receivers, Receivers. you know, the the, once upon a time, the Milt Steagles and G Roy Simons would be in the $200,000 range. But now, more. yeah, like even Adam Bigel, I thought was a hundred, so was one hundred and seventy, and you would think there was a guy that would earn more than one hundred and seventy thousand know, a year. The, the next in line after the quarterbacks is the is the starting Canadian. Yeah, that's the true. impactful starting yeah. Canadian. Yeah, so you know, Brendan Labatt gets paid a lot of money. Yeah, for somebody who doesn't register a stat all year. That's a very good point. So let's guys like Riley who they're talking six hundred thousand a year. It's likely where it goes. That's where it goes for him. If there's any bump in the cap. Yeah, it's going to be those guys who can get the money and all the so though and there's healthcare and there's uh, CTE and concussions and all sorts of other little things that they want to get straightened out, which is fine and go negotiate as hard as they can, get as much as they can, but I just don't see the CFL some, somehow having this great big vault for the money from the TSN. Even if they do, rush. that union isn't going to be able to extract it because it's not going to be strong when it needs to be strong. It's just traditionally a pretty weak union. So I don't expect that to change. And I also wonder about the, the TSN situation. Next time that contract comes up for negotiation, I don't know when it's up. I know it was extended. 2022. Um, next time it does, what's the negotiating climate? Sportsnet's calendar is already full with NHL and baseball. Uh, Global doesn't do sports. CBC says it's out of the live sports business. So who would TSN be negotiating against? That's true. Is there going to be competition for that TV contract? And if so, uh, how does that affect well, the amount of money Mexican, the CFL is going to get? Maybe the Mexican TV shows will, TV channels <laughs> will pick it up. Like, who knows? And, <laughs> no. and, uh, and since the last uh, TV deal was, was agreed to for the, with the CFL, TSN has lost the National Hockey League. Yeah. And, and, and Bell Media, like many media outlets, has faced some cutbacks. So does TSN A have the wherewithal to pay that much money for the CFL deal in the future? And, and B, do they have to? And is there competition? If not, can the CFL count on getting the same kind of windfall that they got? And how does that affect the overall revenues? And if you're looking at a deal in twenty taking effect in 2019 that is likely going to expire after the TV deal, you've got to weigh in the anticipated revenues from TV, yeah. don't you? I think so, but... Where is the CFL without TSN? 
Like, boy, you think yeah. back to days of, we go back to many days of well, way, way back when there were just two games on Monday, on a Sunday, maybe even then, and there was no Friday night football, no Thursday night football, the Saturday triple headers. TSN has, the CFL, its product has improved, but TSN has, coverage of it has just gone like, tell people there's a day that every game wasn't on TV. Yeah. Like, remember Access used to pick up, you know, be, a big game would be on and they'd have to. Tom come. Shepard once had to arrange for a, yeah, for a game to be on, on available in Saskatchewan. So imagine the CFL without TSN, and it kind of seems it's like hard to believe. And, and there's a generation of fans that's unaccustomed to this. But yeah. the first thing we used to do when when the, when the CFL schedule came out or the rider schedule came <laughs> out was look for the ones that weren't televised. Yeah. And then there's poor me sitting back in Regina trying to write a column off a game that's not even on the TV. Yeah. That true. was always a lot of fun. That and, was black uh, and white days, wasn't it? <laughs> that was, that was uh, kinescope days. Yeah. So. It, uh, it it now you just take it for granted that it's that yep. it's going to be on. Like these people, someone sent me an email. You no, know, do they still blackout games? And I kind of laughed about. It. I haven't heard of blackout in so long. That's just. I remember Jim Hobson saying, you know, they're not doing that. This is our way to sell our product, yeah. and it's the way it's done. Well, maybe we've talked about everything except football. We got blackouts now, though, because the Detroit stations are back. Oh, on cable, a, so the Lions games are blacked out. Oh, praise the Lord! That's so we good. still have blackouts, but it's the Detroit so Lions. If, if Who the wants Lions to watch are that? on TV and no one is watching, do the Lions really exist? It's a good question. Yeah, 1960, God, I think they. No, when did they last win a title? Oh. Was it the Bobby Lane days? Must have been the Bobby know. Bobby Lane days. Did you say you wanted to talk about the Steelers' comeback against those hated Jaguars? So Connor should have caught that first touchdown. I, that should have. Yeah, I know, but he came back strong. No, Big Ben. That's a that's a gutsy play by Big Ben. That five yard run and just to just just got over the goal. Barely got in. Yeah, but barely. No, he got in. That's it. Barely is for the. It's just finding different words. But he got in. And as a, I can admit, I'm a Steelers fan, and it was fun to see them do it because I didn't because he was zero. His pass efficiency was zero in the first half for Man. Ben Roethlisberger. So when do you see that? Not much above, not much below Matt Nichols in the, what, they have <laughs> exactly. 35 passing yards in the first half? Oh, yes, I know. That's Calgary defense. Yeah. But you what know. happened to Hamilton? Do you think Hamilton just showed who they, true, they truly are? So I think Jeremiah, Jeremiah Mazzola is a great quarterback, but not quite ready to step up yet? Or But he's no, thing is, he's 30 years old. I know. People, th because Jeremiah Mazzoli hasn't had a long shelf life in the CFL, people think, okay, he's mid-20s. He's yeah. 30 years old. He's the same age as Zach Kalaros. Wow. So it's time. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to start winning those games. And granted, the, the Tiger Cats receiving core was depleted by injuries. They, yeah. had to, they had injuries to deal with numerous places, but they got absolutely taken to school by Ottawa. Yeah. And, it was over in the first half. It was you know, well over in the first half. And nobody ever talks about Rick Campbell. When yeah. they talk about great coaches, like Rick Campbell's up for coach of the year against Chris Jones. I think that's to be announced Thursday. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking Chris Jones will win because it's based on regular season. But no, Rick Campbell's so understated. And when, when you talk about the great coaches in CFL, you talk about Wally and you talk about Dave Dickinson, you talk about Mark Tressman, Chris Jones's name is certainly part of the conversation, etc. But there's Rick Campbell, who's now going into his third Grey Cup game in five years with a franchise that was established in 2014. Yeah. I mean, Rick Campbell is very quickly carving out the kind of coaching resume that his dad had. Absolutely. But <laughs> it's amazing. Problem is, it never has as much weight as what doing that well in the West Division, though. Isn't yeah. it kind of tempered a little bit that you're in the East that's always got at least two teams that aren't going to be any good and stuff? So it's kind of... Yeah, I mean, an 8-9-1 and one Ottawa team won yeah. a great cup. Yeah, a cakewalk to the you know, to be holds a playoff game. So he's always going to have that... Rick Campbell is just, just really good. Yeah, he is really good. You and know? Marcel Desjardins, that's the general manager, I think, yeah. 
But he brings in talent, brings in players, and you watch those guys are out there, and they get great receivers, and they get Allingson, and they get Sinopoli, and they get Dante Spencer, and a great offensive Powell. line. Yeah, they, Powell. They just, they're tremendous. And what a play, I don't know, people probably, I don't know if you've gone there, that's a bucket list place to go watch a game. I know Isn't people, they great? It's just... The stadium, that everything around there, every bar you could possibly imagine be, to go there. So it's a day-long event to go to a game. And then if you're 40, it could become a night-long event too if you well, not lean that way. I, but. I saw my first game in Ottawa last year. And I was fortunate to see two games there because I saw a regular season game. I saw the playoff game. And what hit me both times is this is what, as nice as the new Mosaic Stadium is, yeah. this is what it could be when you go to Ottawa. And that whole, all the ancillary venues around there there's the tentacles of that stadium yeah. and all the possibilities that you could have kind of streaming out from that stadium whereas in regina you got the you got mosaic stadium and maybe you get another you got another tim hortons out of the deal yeah it's really a limiting type well, the, area and nothing against the exhibition board it's all about aggribition yeah. and stuff so all those buildings are there for aggribition and hosting the exhibition and stuff like there's no chance of having a thousand seat restaurant right no. there that's going to take you in and stuff and but you see you the stay. potential of, of oh. spin-off businesses that's, that's and that's you know we've i've talked that's what could have happened if they built the stadium downtown you would have seen that kind of takes off duny avenue would have become just hopping it would have been like the bar the place to go and it's still pretty good to go but it would have been i think more we're I'm, too old to go to duny avenue well, we can go before six i drop my godson off on duny avenue and pick him up when he's done i'm not allowed to go in any establishments there because i'm old that's good but don't have any jazz bars that should be taken care of. That's true. But one day <laughs> now there's talk that you know you have a new new arena in Regina, and a lot of the talk is is centered around Everaz Place and what do you do with the Brand Center. But if there's a new arena in Regina, downtown, put it downtown. I was at Sask. Pardon me. I was at uh, Sastel Center on Saturday night to watch the Saskatoon yep. Blades game and enjoyed myself immensely. But then you realize why did going to the venue and coming out of the venue, why did they ever build it here? But it's getting more built up around it. Yeah. There's way more things to do. Around there's a Tim Hortons there. Too. There's a Tim Hortons. There's a Husky, <laughs> but there's also some more hotels and stuff that is building up yeah. around there. So it's, it's not as big. I remember before you, you'd hit the lights at the highway and then you'd have like another, it seemed like 20 minute drive to the stadium when the briar was on there and the weather was bad. I remember thinking, geez, this is a long ways from there. I, I was in London covering a briar. I'm trying to think back to maybe 11, somewhere around there. Was that the last Jan Betker one? No, it was a briar. Oh, briar, I'm sorry. sorry but Didn't you go to London for women's curling? Uh, no. Somewhere in Ontario. Sorry. Somewhere. Anyway, so the briar, but London has a brand new arena downtown, and it's full of bars. It's just this crazy, wild environment, even for the briar, where it's a little older crowd, but it, the downtown is really blossomed by having this brand new arena, right? It's not brand new, it's over now, but. Like, I think, boy, could we do that in Regina? What a difference to be going downtown. What a reason to be going to those places. But And you're going to get more events in an arena than in a stadium. Oh, yeah. So if you've got 40 hockey games and this and that and this and that, there's more reasons to but build around the there. Is it of worn out? Um, when I go there, I'm, I worn like up, it. I'm worn out when I go up the stairs well, to the press they, box. Yeah. But and it's not friendly at all for, for people with disabilities. Okay, well, I'm, so, I, didn't, so I, don't, I, I just found they put new seats in there and, you know, the sight lines are good and the Pats put on a good show and I keep thinking, you know, do we need a new arena? I don't know, maybe the luxury, luxury boxes aren't there or not, but they're not. It's a discussion that has to be had. That place is 40 it's, plus years old and, can you and in Saskatoon, they're already talking about replacing a 30-year-old building. I remember one of the first WHL games I ever covered back when I worked in the Moose Jaw Times Herald, the Warriors, before they moved to, 
to Moose Jaw. They played a regular season game against the Pats, the last one of the last two. And I thought that was the biggest press box I'd ever been in in my life. I thought, wow, this can't be any bigger. Now I look up going, huh, that's the smallest press box you're ever <laughs> going to see. That's the smallest stuff. But I remember that that game against the Brand Center. The, the Winnipeg Warriors played the Pats, and I came to cover that game. And smallest press box ever is Swift Current. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> First, you have to take the fireman's ladder to get to the press box. Exactly, yeah. I've been there for Greg Harder is our hockey writer. He can worry about that one. He can one. remember that, and that's never going to happen. As we get luxurious press boxes where we would probably get this watch. You know, I was thinking back to Saturday. I know it's kind of, what a crazy day last Saturday was. We were dealing with all the talk, banter back and forth with Zach's going to play, Zach's not going to play. The the hype about a, you know, the the uh, playoff game in the CFL take. And I thought, and this Saturday was pretty well got up and did nothing all day and didn't think of anything. I drove to Saskatoon and went to a hockey game that night. So well, good for you. Yeah, I watched. That's my exciting life. Narcos Mexico broke on uh, Netflix, so I watched that for a lot. Anyway, that's that's not football. Well, those topics are a sign we're losing steam, so I think we should yep. relieve the audience of our of our presence. Did we, did we do our picks for the Great Cup? I can't we have to. Okay. We have to. I pick Calgary by four. Well, I'm going to pick you, Calgary by ten, and I just think, and I, but I've you been, had, did you have five earlier? Yeah, I'm changing my mind, and I probably changed my mind by the time this podcast gets to an end too. I just don't think I don't see Calgary blowing it this year. I don't think so either. I think, and I I think we're going to all sit back and maybe watch the last time we'll see Bo Levi and Mitchell play in the CFL for a couple of years. I think he's going to go NFL route and go Why for not? it. Bo. Go for look it, who's Bo. starting in Buffalo these days. Exactly. So go for it, Bo. Trevor Harris. Maybe you see him in green and white next year because he's a free agent. But that's. He's, he earned himself some money this past weekend. Yeah, so it's going to be a great... I, I don't know if it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be fun. I always love the Grey Cup. It's always got a special place in my heart. I don't know about yours. No, uh, I'm... I wish we were there. Got close last would year. Would have been fun. Oh, well. Yeah. 1990, 2019, perhaps. 20, maybe, for sure. Uh, Murray McCormick, your prediction is oh. wrong, but thank you for being with oh, us. sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh... Do you want to read this one? Sure. We have to do this. It's the law. You want me to do it in my radio voice? Not sure. In Murray voice. I'll poke you while you're... Oh, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review of Rob's poking me. is not fun. The poking will not help us grow the podcast, but it helps us grow the podcast when you leave us a review. And thank you, and we'll be back next week. That was awful. For Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. We'll talk to you next week.